tacos, barbecue, and enough weirdness to keep you endlessly entertained. This week, we're in Austin, Texas. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Thanks for joining me for Destination Eat Drink, the podcast where we explore a different foodie city every week, tell you the best dishes, drinks, and cool places to go in that city. Austin is called the live music capital of the world, and for good reason. It seems there's a music venue on every block, and every bartender, Uber driver, and cubicle slave seems to have a band. But Austin is also a great foodie town, so before we keep Austin weird... Let's eat. What to eat? Hey, you gonna finish that? On Destination Eat Drink. There's lots more about Austin at DestinationEatDrink.com, including lots of places we didn't have time for in this podcast, pictures and links to videos about Austin, too. Check back regularly at DestinationEatDrink.com. I'm always posting new stuff with new cool destinations. Tacos or barbecue? That's the question for the ages in Austin, because everyone's asking, should we get tacos? Should we get barbecue? Well, we'll talk about both during this podcast, but let's start with tacos. Here's the thing. A lot of people think Tex-Mex when they think of tacos, because lots of people like Tex-Mex. I like Tex-Mex too, but only when it's well done. It's a shame because there's so much bad Tex-Mex out there. And in Austin... There's lots of authentic taco joints where you can get the real thing. One of the best is Nono's. It's next to a mini mart in a little strip mall, so you know it's great. And it's in a part of North Austin where tourists rarely go. But Nono's is the real deal. Real Mexican food, not Tex-Mex. They make their own tortillas daily, which is a requirement. And they're open for breakfast. Most taco places in Austin are open for breakfast because everyone in Austin eats breakfast tacos or migas. To make migas, you have to take day-old tortillas, cut them into strips, and fry them until they're crispy. Then you cook scrambled eggs with the fried tortilla chips and add pico de gallo. $2 at Nono's. How can you go wrong for $2? Oh, and uh, one last thing. Bring cash. Nono's says no no to credit cards. You may have heard Austin called the live music capital of the world. They also might call it the hipster capital of the world. I don't know. The verdict's still out on this. It could be Austin. It could be Portland, Oregon. It could be Williamsburg in Brooklyn. But until the final verdict is in, Austin certainly has its fair share of hipsters, and wherever there's a town with a lot of hipsters, there's sure to be good vegetarian restaurants, and there's a bunch in Austin. Some of my favorites are the Bolden Creek Cafe, where you're likely to see moms with full-sleeve tattoos wearing Ramones t-shirts and pushing baby carriages, or Citizen Eatery, which isn't too far from Nono's, and one of my favorite food trucks in Austin, Doggy Style. They make a homemade vegan hot dogs, and they are incredible. If you've ever doubted that a vegan hot dog can be good, go to Doggy Style in Austin. 
They have lots of choices for topping your dog. My favorite is the Chicago style, but they also have a great one called the John Stewart that has sauerkraut and Russian dressing. And don't skip by the fries either. They make excellent fries at doggy style. And speaking of vegan, there's a vegan barbecue place in Austin called Barbecue Revolution. Now, I know I say vegan barbecue and a good percentage, if not most of you, are rolling your eyes right now saying vegan barbecue. But you're going to have to trust me on this. Barbecue Revolution is the real deal. It's a food truck in Austin. They're currently located on East 5th Street, but be sure to check Facebook before heading out to uh, Barbecue Revolution because since I first went there a few years ago, they must have changed locations half a dozen times. And they often sell out early. So even though their posted hours may be until 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, whatever, they often sell out early and close up and go home because it's all they got. So vegan barbecue, how do they do it? Well, at Barbecue Revolution, they smoke the protein just like you would at a regular uh, barbecue joint, tempa and soy, and then slather it in barbecue sauce. It's incredible. And they serve plates with coleslaw and with vegan potato salad and the whole deal. So people ask, is it just like meat barbecue? No, it's not just like meat barbecue. In my opinion, it's better. But if you have to have traditional barbecue, Franklin's is the most famous place in Austin and the most popular place to go. Aaron Franklin, who owns Franklin's, is a local celebrity, and he has cookbooks and his own TV show. And if Franklin's is on your list in Austin, make sure you get there early. They only have a limited amount of barbecue. The line starts forming well before the 11 o'clock opening time. They often sell out by 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So when you go to Franklin's, bring a chair. It's going to be a while. And when you talk about barbecue in Texas, know this. Texans take their barbecue extremely seriously, and they're extremely protective of Texas barbecue. There's no debate allowed in the Lone Star State about different kinds of barbecue. So if you're from Kansas City or from Memphis or from North Carolina or some other barbecue state, just nod and smile when Texans talk about barbecue. That said, inventive chefs are embraced in Austin as well. One of my favorite is called Chilantro. They started off as a food truck, and they do a Korean-Mexican fusion that creates these wild flavor combinations that will surprise and delight you. I first tried Chilantro when they were just that one food truck roaming around in Austin. But in 2016, Jay Kim appeared on the TV show Shark Tank. You might have seen him get a $600,000 investment for his restaurants. And now there's half a dozen Chilantro restaurants in Austin in addition to their food trailer. So what does Chilantro do? Well, they've got traditional barbecue items, you know, tacos and barbecue and fried chicken wings. But the reason to really go there is for their signature dish, the kimchi fries. This is an exotic mishmash of dishes that includes caramelized kimchi, veggies, a secret house-made sauce, all on a bed of crispy French fries topped with pork, beef, chicken, or marinated tofu. It is a glorious mess. Want to drink? I'll have another. On Destination Eat Drink. 
Subscribe to Destination Eat Drink at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or listen right at the RadioMisfits.com website. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate and review it on iTunes. When visitors are looking to party in Austin, they inevitably head to 6th Street or Dirty Sixths as it's derisively called by the locals. Much of 6th Street is lined with sticky-floored, loud bars that cater to millennials looking for a cheap and rowdy night out. And if you go on the weekend, a good portion of 6th Street is closed off from traffic as the revelers pour out into the streets. If that's your scene, that's cool, go for it. But for me, the place to hang on 6th Street is past a lot of those rowdy bars at the Driscoll Hotel. The Driscoll is the oldest hotel in Austin. Some folks claim it's haunted. So if that's your scene, maybe you want to stay overnight at the Driscoll. But go upstairs to the second floor. There's a cool bar at the Driscoll Hotel. The light sconces have been replaced with six shooters and the clientele aren't bros on bachelor party weekends. The beer's cold, the cocktails are good, the bartenders are friendly, and there's uh, comfortable places to sit at the Driscoll Hotel. But my favorite place to hang for a night on the town in Austin is Rainy Street. It's not far from downtown. It's a two-block stretch of bungalows that have been converted into almost two dozen bars and restaurants. Uh, years ago, people lived on Rainy Street. It was just a regular residential neighborhood in Austin, but a couple of the houses got sold, the bungalows got converted into bars and restaurants, and over the course of a few years, all the rest of the houses followed, and now it's a little entertainment district in Austin. Uh, years ago, it was fairly undiscovered. Now the word is out. But if you go early on a, on a weekend or go on a weeknight, you won't be crushed by humanity. But be warned, parking is a pain, if not impossible, right on Rainy Street. There is some parking on some side streets, but you're better off just taking Uber to get to Rainy Street. Far and away, my favorite place on Rainy Street is a joint called Craft Pride. They're located at the far end and marginally quieter part of Rainy Street. Craft Pride has dozens of Texas craft beers on tap, including a bunch from Austin, and they usually have at least one nitro selection. Double points for that. Personally, I like the Adelbert's Pilsner. That's brewed right in Austin. But adventurous drinkers should check out Craft Pride, too. They usually have at least one wild card beer on tap, like the Cream Stout with Ghost Chilies from 512 Brewing. <laughs> you might need a cold beer to cool you off after that cold beer. The best thing about Craft Pride is out back. They've got a small outdoor beer garden, which in Austin isn't anything unusual or special. Almost every restaurant or bar worth its salt has some kind of outdoor seating with some funky decor, um, some cool bar bar stools, some funky old gas station signs, um, and of course some misters to help keep you cool in the summer. But out back at Craft Pride, they have my favorite food truck in all of Austin. It's called Via 313, and they make Detroit-style pizza. And if you didn't know, 313 is the area code for Detroit, Michigan. That's the name Via 313. Now, some people mistake Detroit-style pizza for Chicago-style pizza, but they're two completely different things. Um, 
Detroit-style pizza has a thick crust, and when the pizza is baked, it's placed into a greased rectangular pan, which makes the bottom and sides of the crust crispy and caramelized and delicious while the inside is still doughy. And via 313, they bake their pizza in traditional pans that were originally used in Detroit to store auto parts like nuts and bolts and stuff. And they've got these tall sides that would keep the parts from rolling out onto the floor of the factory. So they also, because they have the thick sides, holds a thick pizza crust. And don't worry, via 313, they buy their own pans new, so there's no chance of getting a stray bolt in your pie. But it's just interesting that they have that whole Detroit connection of using the old auto part pans to bake their pizza. If you can't make it to their food truck on Rainy Street, via 313 has recently opened a couple of brick-and-mortar restaurants around the city as well. Things to do and places to see. I don't know. What do you want to do? On Destination Eat Drink. If you have a question or a comment about anything you've heard on the podcast, you can contact me on Facebook at Destination Eat Drink or on Twitter at Eat Destination or on the DestinationEatDrink.com website by clicking on the About and Contact tabs. Austin's motto is Keep Austin Weird. And while Austin has become decidedly less weird in recent years with million-dollar condo high-rises being constructed on a seemingly daily basis, pushing out a lot of the artists and musicians to the uh, hinterlands of Austin, there's still plenty of weird to be found in the capital city. How does chicken crap bingo sound? I've sanitized the name of this for the podcast, but uh, chicken bleep bingo is played every Sunday at Ginny's Longhorn Saloon. Customers bet $2 on a square in the chicken coop, and then a chicken's released into the coop, and whichever square he does his business on, the person who bet on that square wins the pot of money. It's very weird. It's very Austin to see people cheering for a chicken to poop on a square. But if you win, remember this, it's always good form to buy a round at Ginny's Little Longhorn Saloon. And even if you don't go on Sundays, Ginny's is a great dive bar to hang out, and there's usually great music there, too. Then there's the Cathedral of Junk. If you go to the Cathedral of Junk, you'll think for sure that you've driven to the wrong place. It's in the middle of a completely unassuming residential neighborhood in Austin. But when you pull up to the house, you'll see rising from the backyard this monstrosity looking like a weird erector set behind the house. It must be 30 feet tall. And Vince Hanneman started building this cathedral of junk back in 1988. He's used uh, found and donated things, surfboards and pieces of metal and uh, all kinds of wood and, and strange stuff to build this huge tower. It must be 30 feet tall. You can climb up and go from room to room inside the Cathedral of Junk, and then go on the outside for a view of the surrounding area. But you don't go there for the view. You just go there to look at all of the strange items that are in the Cathedral of Junk, like the Zen Garden of TVs or the Trash Vegas sign or 
all of the weird license plates from all over the country and the world. Um, the structure, when you look at it, you might say, I'm not climbing that. That thing looks like it's going to fall down. But the neighbors got sick of it at one point and tried to get the city to force Vince to tear down the Cathedral of Junk. So the city sent out a structural engineer. He inspected it and said, this thing is completely safe. It ain't moving. And sure enough, it stood there for 30 years. So if you want to go, um, you can climb the Cathedral of Junk. It's fabulous. It's fun. It's weird. It's wacky. And it's great to talk to Vince about building the Cathedral of Junk. But if you want to go, make sure you call first. Vince has a life and visits are by appointment only. It is his house after all. Speaking of weird houses, maybe the oddest of the odd in the city of weird is the Museum of Natural and Artificial Ephemerata. Um, this is in Scott and Jan Weeble's house. They raised their family there. They live there. And they have what they call the museum's impermanent collection. Most museums have a permanent collection. They have an impermanent collection. And some of the objects, to give you an idea about this museum, um, some of the objects are supposedly the last cigarette smoked by Marilyn Monroe, a lock of Willie Nelson's hair, a ghost-detecting device, and a spoon supposedly bent by telekinesis. <laughs> Wonderfully bizarre objects, and they're only made that much better and brought to life in the tours led by Scott and Jen. Suspend so disbelief and dive into the Museum of Natural and Artificial Ephemerata. Of course, lots of people go to Austin to see music. It's called the live music capital of the world, after all, and Deservedly so, every bar or restaurant that can shoehorn a stage into a corner has bands performing regularly, and great bands too. But a lot of people want to see the TV show Austin City Limits. It's been airing on PBS for something like 40 years. They're coming up on their 45th season of Austin City Limits. The first episode was in 1974 with Willie Nelson, of course, and since then... Folks as diverse as Jimmy Cliff, Emmylou Harris, The Pretenders, Robert Plant have all appeared on the Austin City Limits television show. And tickets are free. That's the good news. Tickets are free to see a taping of Austin City Limits. But they're extremely hard to get. You have to sign up for an online lottery. There's only so many tickets. It's very difficult to get them. But if you're lucky enough... It's a wonderful rite of passage to see Austin City Limits be taped for television. The Moody Theater is where Austin City Limits takes place. It takes place inside a theater. Um, a lot of people think when they watch the TV show that it's outdoors, but that's just the backdrop showing the trees and the Capitol building of Austin. It is inside in a small theater, and lots of other artists perform there that aren't taped for Austin City Limits. So you can go there and watch a show, buy your ticket to a show at the Moody Theater. You won't see a taping of Austin City Limits, but you can get the vibe of what it's like to go to a taping. Well, I'm really excited about this next part of the podcast because I'm joined by Rick McNulty. Rick is an on-air host at Austin radio station KUTX. It's one of my favorite radio stations in the entire country. And Rick knows Austin music. So we're going to talk some Austin music, but we're also going to talk some of Rick's favorite food and drink places as well. So Rick, welcome to the podcast. Hey, 
thanks for having me, Brent. Sure. Um, now, Rick, for those of you who haven't listened to KUTX, how would you describe the radio station? It's about as eclectic as it comes. Uh, we play just about any genre, support a lot of local bands, and um, I mean, at any given moment, you can hear just about anything on there, which is really a, a place of pride for me and, and everybody that works there. And I love the fact that you can listen and you'll hear local artists, not only their recordings, but also you guys must have at least 300 artists come through and play live sets on the air every year. Yes, that's true. We have a, what we call our Studio 1A, and we'll have audiences come in and get up and up close and personal with uh, a lot of these fans. We just had Soccer Mommy in yesterday, and it's just so intimate and lovely and yeah, it's our engineers are very busy. We've got at least 300 uh, every year. So sometimes it'll be three bands a day. Awesome. You know, um, I don't live in Austin anymore, but I still love streaming KUTX. And every Saturday, I listen to Uptown Saturday Night, which you host. And it's just, an, this is the kind of show you can't hear anywhere else. Uh, tell me a little bit about Uptown Saturday Night and how you've made this your own. Well, it started with Paul Ray. Uh, he was a legend here in Austin, and he was he DJed the show called Twine Time for just about 30 years, and it was all just old rhythm and blues. And, uh, and I took over the mantle from him, and uh, instead of calling it Twine Time, we, out of respect for him, we changed it to Uptown Saturday Night, and I played with the formula a little bit. Um, I went a little bit more into the 70s. He stopped at Watergate. That was his, uh, <laughs> that was his line in the sand. But I'll, I'll go up and, and play later stuff. And I also like to play some obscure deep cuts, if you will. Uh, you know, we all know Otis Redding's A side, but what about the B sides? Stuff like that. And anyway, it's just become a place that uh, a lot of people spend their Saturday nights listening to whether at a party going out it's just it's a good time on the radio and you're right it's the perfect party soundtrack and i gotta say uh first from paul and then from you i've discovered so much i thought i knew music i've discovered so much of that uh, rhythm and blues stuff that you play and it's just it, not only is it fun but it's also interesting and educational too yeah that's and that's the goal i don't want to bog everybody down with you know, every last detail, but there's some great stuff, stories behind the, the, you know, whether it's the session or the artist, there's always some great little uh, tidbits you can get in there. And as long as you don't get too inside baseball, it's a really fun program. Great. So the name of the podcast is Destination Eat, Drink. So Austin is a fantastic food city. And there's always a battle going on in Austin about tacos. You know, who's got the best tacos? <laughs> Rick McNulty's opinion, who has the best tacos in Austin? Where's your go-to place? Oh, gosh. Uh, I'll probably get flogged for this. But, well, there's two. One is the taco joints. It's uh, right near campus. And they make some great Mexican street tacos. Um, I absolutely love that. And then the place I'll probably get flogged for is Torchies. I, I know it's kind of gringo-esque, but they've got some winning combinations. 
you know, if Obama can go to Torchies, you can go to Torchies. I, I talk about Torchies all the time, too. I love Torchies. There was a Torchies down the street from where I used to live. I would go there all the time. I would get the Independent. That's my favorite one. And Torchies uh, yeah. is incredible. It really is. I mean, they, they you know, not, you can't usually get fried chicken on a taco, but they've got <laughs> one. I forget which one it is. Um, and if you get it with the trailer park, uh, that comes with chaso on top. It, it's a mess, but it's a glorious mess. Absolutely. Extra napkins, please. Um, you know, some towns they call wine towns, and some towns are called beer towns. I always think of Austin as a beer town. Where do you like to go to I would agree uh, get with that assessment. A, where do you like to go to uh, get a cold one? Um, there's a place near my house. It's um, it's called the Wheel, and they have rotating taps, which are, is really nice. There's also a place called the Schoolhouse, which uh, again is near my house. I mean, there's the common denominator, and they've got like 30 taps, um, and so there's always something I can I can drink gladly, even though I'm kind of picky. I don't like hoppy beers. You know, that's funny because I was just talking about this so often now when you go into a place, especially craft beer places, it seems like they're outdoing themselves on who can be the hoppiest. And for me, it's just it's become a little bit going overboard with the hoppiness. Now I'm starting to get into the maltiness. So I'll go in and I'll ask the bartender first thing. What's more of a malty beer that you guys have? And sometimes they'll look at you like you got three heads, but you know, the knowledgeable guys they'll say, Oh, okay, let's do this. Right. No, I totally agree. I usually ask for a tripel style beer. And they're slowly coming around. Um but yeah, malty just something with a little bit of flavor without feeling like your tongue is, is burning. Agreed. You know, the, the pendulum's always swinging, too. Now it's hoppy. It'll eventually go back to malty. Although now I'm starting to see more of the sour beers are becoming really popular in craft beer joints as well. Yeah, and I don't understand that. I mean, like, there's a grapefruit beer that Shiner's been making, and I just I don't understand why anyone would want grapefruit in their beer or a sour beer. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, some people like sweet pickles. Some don't. That's right. That's right. That's, hey, that's why we live in America, right? Um, uh -huh. You know, Austin is called the live music capital of the world. And for good reason, any night you can go to a dive bar, a club, a, an arena, a theater, and see great live music. But you're in the thick of it at KUTX. Who are some of the Austin bands that the rest of the country and the rest of the world needs to know about? Oh, uh, well, that's easy. There's uh, two bands that are essentially the same members, but they have very different sounds. One is Grupo Fantasma. Oh. They do a lot of cumbia, but it's, it's modern cumbia with a rock and roll edge. And then uh, their alter egos are called Brownouts, and they play just incredible funk, um, Latin funk, and they also do, like, they did a Black Sabbath tribute as Brown Sabbath. And even Ozzy Osbourne got on board with that. Like, these guys are incredible. <laughs> um, so those are, like, two of my big favorites. I also love the Greyhounds. Uh, they play more kind of gut bucket soul. And then, really, one of the best bands around is Sweet Spirit. And they have an alter ego uh, named A Giant Dog. Oh, fantastic. But Sabrina Ellis is... Yeah, she's the leader, or not the leader, but she is the uh, lead singer in that band, and she is just a ball of 
dynamite on stage, and anything can happen, and they write great songs, she and her partner, Andrew. They're a terrific band, and I really feel that they're going to do something one of these days outside of Austin. Sabrina is an incredible powerhouse. I love her. Um, she is, yeah. And with all the live music in Austin's, Austin's kind of known for all these festivals, right? And um, you've got uh, AC, the biggest ones, the people, the ones everyone knows, ACL Live, you know, which happens uh, when in the fall, right? And then coming yeah. up, you guys got South by Southwest coming up here uh, very shortly. KUTX, you guys do some of the coolest things at South by Southwest. You do these early morning shows. And when I say early morning, I mean, it starts at like seven o'clock in the morning. Um, downtown yeah, at the which Four is Seasons. Yeah, ungodly hour for music. <laughs> and that's what I wanted to ask you, Rick. How in the world do you get musicians who are notoriously night owls, how do you get them to show up at 7 in the morning to play a full set? Well, I, I'd like to say uh, in the 70s we would have bribed them with drugs, but we don't <laughs> do that anymore. I don't know. Uh, some of them are on their way up, and they want as much exposure as possible, and then they get that, plus they also not just get to play live at that hour, they're also on the air at that hour, and then we also rebroadcast it, and it's it's kind of a win-win uh, for these up-and-coming bands, and we'll get some great ones. And sometimes they'll come in, and you can tell they haven't slept. <laughs> so, like, like uh, we had the Naked Giant on uh, recently, and they were there at, like, 8 in the morning, and clearly they hadn't slept since they had gotten to Austin, you know, like 48 hours before, and they were still excited and able to play, and it's a lot of fun, and it's great for people that don't partake in the festival. They can go there and then go to work afterwards and, you know, without missing a beat. It's it's really awesome. It doesn't sound like it would be, but the four seasons at 7 in the morning can be actually kind of fun. If you're in Austin for South by Southwest, that, to me, is the number one recommendation to do. It's like 10 bucks to get in. You'll see up-and-coming bands, but you also see established. I saw John Doe there from X one year. It was amazing. Yeah. It was incredible. So everyone has like a South by Southwest magical moment, whether it was sneaking in to see Prince or catching Bruce Springsteen giving the uh, address um, at South by. What is your magical South by Southwest moment? That would be Tom Waits. Oh. Back in, uh, yeah, 1999, it, it, it was the last time he was in Austin. He hadn't played in a decade anywhere. And he came to Austin and tickets, well, here's, here's the thing. There's wristbands for South by Southwest and then there's badge holders. So they got the, the, the lion's share of the tickets. It was at the Paramount Theater, which is a glorious old, uh, movie palace. Anyway, uh, they put out 200 tickets on sale to the general public. And I was the 200th person to get the ticket. I got the last ticket. <laughs> And much to my surprise, it was the 10th row. And I realized all of us that were in line were in the first 10 rows. And I heard from uh, somebody who talked to a uh, Tom Waits manager. And Tom's directed to his manager was like, okay, give the first 10 rows to the, you know, the people that want to see me. Give the rest of the wristbands and then put in the balcony all the badge holders. So the industry weasels will be as far away from me as possible. That's and it was an awesome show. It, it was incredible. Well, how could it not be? You know, and um, 
Occasionally, you'll see on television on uh, Austin City Limits, they replay that old uh, Tom Waits show from Austin City Limits. Not not the show you're talking about, but another right. one. And uh, just an amazing piece of work. You know, T- Tom Waits, national treasure, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And really, if you get a chance to see him do it, because he only plays these short tours now, and he does them about every five or six years, if that. Right. So in Austin, um, there's so many, I mean, per capita, there must be more music venues or places that have music than any other city. Where are your favorite places to go to see live music in Austin? Really, they're all down on South Congress, um, and they're all owned by Steve, I think it's Wertheimer. Uh, He owns the Continental Club, and you'll get some great shows in there, uh, whether it's Roots or Americana. You'll also get straight-up soul music. He's got incredible taste, so he brings in the best bands for that. uh, There's also something right near it called The Gallery, um, and it's got, you'll hear soul jazz, and it's usually free. It, It just, you'll get so much incredible music there for, you know, a couple of drinks, essentially. And then there's also Seaboys, uh, which is down on South Congress. That is a great little juke joint modeled after the juke joints of yore. It's, it's really something else. And just a great place to see some offbeat music. Beautiful. Yeah. The Continental Club is, uh, I mean, anyone who goes to Austin, that's one of the first places I tell them to go because you never know who's going to show up. Back in the day, um, Alejandro Escovedo used to have a residency there. Uh, when Robert Plant right. lived in Austin, Robert Plant dropped in, you know, not often, but occasionally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, in fact, he lived right behind the Continental Club, and Steve set up a way so he could get in the back door without having to go in the front. Oh, and Plant would just go there and check out whoever, and, you know, he was a regular guy. And then, of course, he would leave under Cloak of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> under his hobbit shawl. Yes, yeah. And he also used to walk, I think it was Teddy Griffin's dog. She has a little dog in the neighborhood. So uh, I talked to numerous people like, I swear I saw Robert Plant or this guy who looked just like him walking this tiny little dog. And I'm like, that was Robert Plant. It's only one guy who looks like Robert Plant. Unless you're in mm-hmm. Austin and then there's 20 guys on South Congress who look like Robert Plant. <laughs> All right. Well, Rick, I know you're busy, so I'm going to let you go. As we're taping this, you're probably getting ready to uh, prep Uptown Saturday night. But I thank you for the time. It's been a joy to talk to you. And um, thanks for being on Destination Eat Drink. You bet, Rick. I I appreciate uh, the offer. And uh, hello to all your listeners throughout the globe. Well, that was just great. Nothing like getting the inside scoop from a local. And remember, if you don't live in Austin, you can listen to Rick by streaming KUTX at KUTX.org. And like I said, his program, Uptown Saturday Night, it is the perfect weekend soundtrack. Tips and inside information on Destination Eat and Drink. My books of fiction, Truffle Hunt, a novel, and That Bird, a collection of short stories, are available at Amazon.com, or check out the Destination Eat Drink website and click on the About tab. Getting around Austin can be difficult. Traffic is often a nightmare, 
parking in the city can be challenging at best. Even so, I do recommend getting a car unless you're staying right in the central downtown area and don't plan on going outside of that. That's because Austin is a very spread out city. A lot of the places you're going to want to go could be in far north Austin or in south Austin or uh, in old west Austin, and it's not really easy to get there by public transportation. So a car might be your best bet. In addition, there's lots of great road trips outside of Austin that you can go to. One of the most beautiful natural pool and waterfalls in the country is at Hamilton Pool. That's in Dripping Springs, about an hour west of Austin. And it's really fun to go there. It's really relaxing and cooling, but you do have to make reservations to go to Hamilton Pool. Or you might want to visit the wineries and farms out in Hill Country, Texas. That's an hour and a half, two hours from Austin. Austin is a lot like Los Angeles or New York in that many people who live in the city are not originally from the city. In fact, uh, I'll often play the game when I visit Austin, pick out the native Austinite, because a lot of times you can pick out these folks who have lived in Austin all their lives. Um, they have sort of that hippie vibe about them. Uh, anyway, it's easy to strike up conversations with folks in Austin. All Austinites, whether they're uh, natives or transplants, are generally very friendly. And some of the best ways to strike up a conversation are to sit at some of these outdoor seating venues at bars and restaurants. Like I said, most restaurants and bars have an outdoor seating area, and many of them have that communal seating, you know, large picnic tables. So you can sit next to a stranger, enjoy a cocktail or enjoy a meal, and strike up a conversation. You never know who you might sit next to, and the conversation will usually be interesting and entertaining. As far as what to do during your stay in Austin, there's always something fun and interesting going on, usually more things than you can possibly do. So it's hard to keep up with everything. I'll pick up a copy of the local weekly, the Austin Chronicle, food, music, cultural events, local politics. It's all in there. It's free. And a new edition comes out every Thursday. Well, that's going to do it for the Destination Eat Drink podcast. I drop a new show each and every Friday. Next week, we are in Wellington, New Zealand. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla and is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Thanks again to KUTX's Rick McNulty for joining me during the program and telling us about cool places to go in Austin. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll talk to you next week. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink. A presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.